unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, and I'm excited. I think we're breaking a record. We're breaking two records today with a return guest and with a new twist on an old favorite. So I'm going to turn it over to you with that. It sounds good. You're right. Our returning champion is... Joshua Lee Henry, and this is a first. He's going to do a guest Old Masters series show. Of course, the Old Masters series are very popular. Joshua asked me if he could take a new look at the work of John Caples, the great copywriter and author and copy chief. And I said, okay, as long as he talked about something different than what we have talked about in the many shows we've already done on Caples. And Joshua put together a collection of unique items that filled the bill. So I'm really happy to bring him back for this special show. As you may remember, Joshua is a high-powered copywriter and copy chief for Agora. He started his copywriting career 13 years ago, writing fundraising letters for the victims of the 2010 earthquake in Haiti. Joshua has been a pastor of a megachurch and a freelancer and has written for such famous clients as Jay Abraham, Brian Tracy, and the Zig Ziglar Corporation. Today, we're going to find out what he discovered digging into the archives of John Caples. But first, I would like you to discover this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, You may want to get a legal review after you write before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time, and I believe Josh and his writers do that at Agora. Yeah. So, Joshua, welcome back, and thanks for preparing all this carefully selected material. Absolutely, David. So glad to be here. I have been a fan of the Old Master series since the podcast started, and it's always been my dream to be a guest on an Old Masters episode. So thank you, and uh, happy to get going. So, All right, well, let's do that. You have, I think, six lessons. What's the first one? Yeah, I have six lessons, and to really dive into new material, what I did is I went through all six of John Capel's books. Most people are familiar with the book Tested Advertising Methods, and I would recommend the fourth edition, which is still available. I do have a copy of the second edition, but I went and have spent a tremendous amount of money and time and work researching and finding first edition copies of his, of his other books that many people have never even heard of before. And so I'm excited to get into those lessons, but To begin, I want to start with the familiar, and most people know about tested advertising methods. And one of the things that I want to draw out is that as you look at this book here, the original subtitle was How to Profit by Removing the Guesswork. And really, that's the foundational lesson. If you're talking about capels, you're talking about copy tactics and tips, you have to talk about testing. And you remove the guesswork and you become more profitable. And so what John suggests is that there's four things you must test. And this really is direct response 101. Those four things, though, are where to advertise, you know, the medium, when to advertise, 
what to say in the advertisements and the appearance of the advertisements. And so it's basic copy, you know, testing headlines, which we know John obviously did more of than perhaps anybody else in the history of copywriting. But then also what mediums, you know, back then it was direct mail, space ads, newspapers, journals, catalogs, things like that. Today, it's a lot of online stuff. You know, direct mail is not dead. There's certainly room for offline advertising and copy, but really understanding where your audience is and the best way to reach them is foundational to having any kind of a successful promotion. And so that's that's really where I want to start is that at the foundation with cables, you have to start with testing. The fifth element that I would add would be to test the offer. And of course, we've done a couple of podcasts on offers. And so I've got those 10 commandments of compelling offers. It's more than just the price, but you want to look at the price. I'll give you an example. In the financial world where I write with Agora, we launched a back end recently and we tested two price points, a $2495, $2495 product and a $1995 product. Now that's $500 difference. The $2495 product actually outperformed the $1995 product. And so if you've got a $500 variance in price and you don't test those, that's a lot of money you could be leaving on the table by not testing that higher price point. Obviously, there are other things you can do to sweeten the pot on that offer, things like guarantees and bonuses and premiums. We did another offer where we tested giving away a free Apple Watch versus a offer without the Apple Watch. Of course, you know, the Apple Watch won. It was a minimal cost on our side for a much greater benefit of that customer acquisition. And so you want to look at testing things. To begin any conversation with John Caples, you have to start testing. And uh, really, that's the very first sentence in the first chapter of his book. He says that uh, the most difficult things to discover in the study of advertising are facts. And then he goes on to outline those four areas. So that's testing advertising methods. Yeah, that's great. I have often quipped that people don't often understand the difference between facts and opinions. But in, in this particular case, yeah, you got to dig sometimes to find out what's real and what's consistent over a statistically large enough sample to make it real. So, okay, great. Thank you. That's, that's awesome way to start, but what you got next? The next book I want to review is called advertising for immediate sales. Now this was originally published in 1936. And this is, I would say perhaps John Capel's least known book, but yeah, in this know. book, yeah. And, and I, by the way, I spent about $365 on this book. So it was a, uh, you know, good business write-off. But in Advertising for Immediate Sales, John talks about how to secure testimonials. And the lesson is, is to run some kind of a contest, giveaway, competition, or a customer engagement survey where they actually provide you, you know, testimonials up front that you can then repurpose and reuse in your marketing. And this is a tactic that not I don't see used often, but one that once I learned it in this book, I have used in almost every single promotion I've had with Agora. I just used this tactic on my most recent promotion. You know, since March of 2020, I've launched seven financial promotions. Four of those have done at least a million dollars. Two of those that have done multi-million dollars have used this tactic. And the way that I use it, uh, I'll give you one example. We launched a back-end stock picking service where we were promising gains of 1,000% in a year, which is astronomical. You know, that's a 10x fortune. And so what we did was leading up to the launch of the promotion, we built a hot list where we asked our audience how they would spend an extra $100,000 this year. 
And we put that up and it did the psychology behind it is great because people are future pacing themselves into already having that benefit into already receiving that money, those profits. And they are now committing themselves because they, they psychologically they've committed to that benefit. And so they've bought in to the idea of that promise, which, you know, belief and, and buying into the promise is key. And then the advertising. So it has worked very well. We just did it again in, in another promotion that we have launching in a week where we asked people what their biggest concerns and excitements were for 2023. And, and the cool thing is, is, you know, we got a very, you know, just a bunch of different responses all across the board. But what we've been able to do is we've been able to highlight those responses in our editorial buildup to this promotion. And we're able to use a lot of that stuff as kind of quasi testimonials. You know, it's like when you go to the, how do you spend a hundred thousand dollars in a year? We were able to show in the promotion, you know, John said he would buy a new boat. Susie said she would pay off her granddaughter's student loans. You know, Jim said he would, you know, pay off his house, you know, and things like that. And, and it's, it's almost like future testimonials because it's, it's creating social proof. It's creating this FOMO where you see everybody being involved and you want to be involved and you start thinking, how can I, what can I do with $100,000? It also recognizes the good behavior of your audience and your customer base by reinforcing that engagement, which you always want people to be engaged and involved in your marketing. So yeah, I, I use this tactic in basically almost every promotion I try to write. Yeah. Yeah. I really like it. And it's different from what I would have expected because you're not asking them to give a testimonial about the product. You're asking them to buy into the dream and share with you their thoughts and what they're feeling. I love that idea. Very different. I don't even know what you would call that, David. It's not really a testimonial. It's almost like a, a customer comment or a customer, you know, dream aspiration or, or prospect, yeah. but it's, yeah, it works really good. The third idea, this is the lesson, and it comes from Advertising Ideas, one of John's books from 1938. And uh, it's great because there is a, he, what he does, this is a very unique book where he breaks down his favorite advertisements over the last couple of years. For people on YouTube, they can see this. If you're listening, you know, you might want to go check out the YouTube video. But what John does is he outlines these, these advertisements and explains what makes them work which is amazing. And the particular ad that I want to highlight here for this lesson is the headline is I gambled three cents and won $35,840 in two years. The headline says I gambled three cents, three cents and won $35,840 in two years. The lesson here is that he is appealing to the lazy instinct appealing to the lazy instinct. And as yep. a financial copywriter myself, I saw this, and I thought, wow, three, three cents into 36 grand in two years. That's insane. You know, but you know, I have a saying that sometimes people maybe are put off when they hear it or offended, but I think it's generally true. And that's simply that people are bored, lazy, and selfish in general, <laughs> people are bored, lazy, and selfish. And you know what? They want to be smart, rich, and popular or powerful. You know, there's a difference between popular and powerful, but that status above others is really the key. They want that status above others. And, you know, we know that one of the ways that people measure status in our culture is through wealth and money. And money is the second most common appeal that John discovered worked in successful advertisements. The first successful appeal that he discovered in all of his analysis of advertisements was self-preservation, you know, protection and survival, kind of the Maslow, you know, hierarchy of needs type stuff. After that base level is covered, 
by far it is you know wealth and riches and money and so it's you know the reason why the three you know greatest niches in direct response have always been you know health wealth and romance usually you know yep. uh, people have those needs and so john goes on to explain why this ad worked you know he noticed the words gambled and won it uh suggests that the method is easy that you don't have to work, that there's no risk involved, that you don't have to learn anything or do anything, gambled. It's kind of like that lottery ticket mindset. You know, people want easy solutions to complicated problems, you know, and we see this everywhere. We see this in, in health with weight loss and diet pills. We see this with, uh, you know, biz op, you know, business opportunity where you don't have to have a business. You don't have to have a product. You don't have to have a customer list. You know, just buy this inventory and, you know, uh, you'll make $100 million overnight. And then we see this especially in, in stock, stock market services and trading services in the financial world. And so, you know, people want easy. People are lazy. You know, it is. I, I think that if, uh, if you get down to the heart of it, in general, people are lazy. And I saw something, David that I just couldn't believe was real. People are so lazy today, as a matter of fact, that there is now on the market a self-making bed. Have you heard about this? No, you're kidding. <laughs> People are so lazy today in 2023 that they don't have time to make their bed in the morning. You know, that's the classic, you know, make your bed. Your mom tells you to make your bed. If you make your bed, you'll feel productive for the day. Well, they have a product now, and I just want to read this copy as a current example of this principle in use. It okay. says, convert your existing bed into a dual zone, climate controlled, self-making bed using your current bed and bedding. Smart Duvet, the company, will have you sleeping in perfect comfort every night without having to worry about making your bed in the morning. I don't know many people that worry about making their bed. You know, maybe somebody with severe anxiety or depression, but and I, I you don't know, that's worry about it. Either I do it or I don't. Most of the time, yeah. I do it. It takes two minutes. I don't get it. Okay. And it appeals again that you don't have to buy anything. This duvet, which I don't even understand how this works. You know, you don't have to have a new bed. You don't have to have new covers. We'll give you this special device, and we'll do it for you. I can't see how comfortable that would be to sleep in at night, but you know, it is what it is. There okay. are all of things there are even products for battery operated self-cutting scissors so people are lazy yeah the, the fourth lesson comes from a book from 1957 called making ads pay there is a paperback version of this available very fairly priced on amazon it's been reprinted i would suggest you go and get it if you're a, a fan of cables but this is a great lesson he says it's the value of an illusion in the example I want to give from John, and when you hear that at first, you think, what does that mean? Really what he's describing is selling the dream, appealing to the emotional and psychological desires of your market, creating a visual transformation for that prospect when they buy your product, inspiring the good feelings that will come with the purchase and future pacing that prospect you know, through the copy. And so the example that John says comes from page 54, and he's talking about this value of illusion. He calls it the lesson, actually, the lesson of value of illusion. When Mrs. Brown buys a pair of gloves for $5.95, made to sell for $10, she's a little happier. She can be a little prouder and hold her head just a little higher when she puts those gloves on because they were made to sell for $10. Nobody has to tell her that they were only worth $5.95, but she believes they were worth more. That's what you call the illusion, and life is full of illusions. And again, I just love that because 
it's not so much about the words that you use in copy necessarily. What it's about is tapping into that desire, as Gene Schwartz said, channeling that desire, tapping into your your prospects, you know, fears, beliefs, desires, wants, dreams, and aspirations, and channeling those with your copy. And so you can do that with future pacing. I saw a wonderful email that does exactly this just last night, actually. The subject line was Instagram made flesh. And I didn't, I didn't really know what that meant, but it got my attention. And the copy starts out, a 90-minute flight from Miami on a jungle beach of fine white sand, Instagram has been made flesh. The Riviera Maya on Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula is an Eden that formerly existed only on the social media accounts of hip young women in maxi dresses. But now it's a reality here on Earth. And it goes on to describe this future pacing, you know, this story really. You know, this was for an Agora company and Bill Bonner, the founder of Agora, created Agora through a travel company, through international living. And if you go back and you read that sales letter, it follows the same blueprint of the example I just read, where you are future pacing the reader in this wonderful experience where you're talking about the lush garden and the beautiful beach and the warm sand between your toes and this lifestyle of the rich and famous that you can have you can have it by joining this club or buying this product, you know, and he, they end when they say, welcome to travel and opportunity. We travel the world looking for a better way to live, a better way to invest an abundance of time and scare and an abundance in time of scarcity for you. And so again, it's appealing to those needs that mass desire. Yeah. Or as they, well, I had a couple of thoughts. One is, you know, Jimmy Buffett has a real low rent version of this. I'm a cheeseburger in paradise. And the other thing is, I always see this on, on cop shows in an ironic way. Teamwork makes the dream work. But um, anyway, yeah, very cool. Yeah, absolutely. The fifth lesson comes from the book, How to Make Your Advertising Make Money from 1983. There is a paperback version of this available as well. And the lesson that John has, he closes this book with lessons he's learned through 50 years in advertising. And the lesson that I want to highlight is right long boil it down. And what he says is when he was learning copy early on in his career, he had a copy chief that told him one of the great ways to write a small ad is to write a long ad first, then boil it down. That way you get to the broth, a pot of broth with more flavor. The more you boil it down, the stronger the flavor gets. And so it's this idea of writing fast when you're full of enthusiasm and passion and then editing on the back end, editing to cut that copy down, chipping away that, you know, perfect statue of David in the marble. You know, you have to get rid of all the excess. To get, yeah, 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 this is David. Yeah, right. Yeah, and John says, you know, when you write long and boil it down, if you need 500 words of copy, begin by writing a thousand words, then boil it down to the concise, fact-packed message. And so, you know, you have to get warmed up. It's like what Gary Halbert said. It's all about getting rid of that throat clearing, you know, getting warmed up, getting uh, in the groove as a writer, as the flow. And I find that, you know, when, when new copywriters come to me and they want to write financial copy, I always teach them how to write short copy first, because if you try to write a 50-word email, it may not come across that good. But if you if you come in and you write an email that is a thousand words maybe and we chip it down to 300 words, it's always going to be much stronger because you're going to be able to find that core idea and that message, get to the good stuff, you know? And so I, I think, I really think that when you learn how to edit short copy, by the time you get to the point to where you're writing long copy and promos, 
you're able to make every sentence punch. Every line of copy have that power in it. You know, reading old classified ads is a great way to learn how to write short banner ads and subject lines. I saw something on LinkedIn last night that, that was a great example of this. It said, it was a post on LinkedIn and it said, remove unnecessary words that you don't need in sentences. And then it had the words that you don't need crossed out because that's, just, <laughs> that's redundant. You don't need that, you know? And so remove unnecessary words and sentences. And it's just a great way for copywriters to learn how to edit um, because you're going to, the more editing, editing that you can do on your end as the writer before it goes to the client or the uh, editor or the publisher, the stronger and the better the copy is going to be. You know, it reminds me of the quote Mark Twain had. He said, you know, writing a letter to a friend, he said, if I had more time, it would have been shorter. That's such a, a great point. And I have a client who used to write a lot of affiliate emails for for one of his clients that would go out in the health space to thousands and thousands of, of people and through affiliates. And he tried this. I think it may have been by accident or without really intending to, to test it, but he had a long version and a short version. The short version always did better. And so we decided he was going to develop this method where he would just write out everything he could and then boil it down. It doesn't seem sense logically, but it, it actually, in, in reality, it works really well. It's a great point. Certainly, certainly. And so the last lesson comes from a biography called John Capel's Ad Man. This is a book by Gordon White from 1977. Gordon uh, had written the introduction to the fifth edition of Tested Advertising Methods, if his name sounds familiar. But this was a biography about him. And in this, John, there's some correspondence between he, he and John. And, and what he's doing is he's talking about some of the lessons. And there was a guy that was John's mentor, John Capel's mentor named Bruce Barton. And uh, if you don't know, if you're listening to this episode and you don't know who Bruce Barton is, he's another old master worthy of study. Uh, Joe Vitale has a great book on him. And so there, there's a Bruce Barton was the founder of the BBDO company that John Caples worked for, you know, and uh, in talking about Bruce, John Caples mentor, they're talking about what made him so successful as a copywriter. And John says he had, you know, uh, many of, you know, many great qualities without equal. But he had the three qualities that Tolstoy said was the most important in a writer. Sincerity, sincerity, sincerity. And so the lesson is, is that the most important quality of a writer, a copywriter, a salesman in print, is sincerity. And I think that's true. Even beyond proof, even beyond channeling desire, even beyond, you know, testimonials and a great offer, you have to start with sincerity. I kind of feel like that is the bookend for, you know, John Caples' legacy is being sincere, you know, starting with testing, having good offers, testing headlines and leads, you know, all the other copy tactics that we talked about today. But if at the end of the day, you're not sincere in your copy, people are going to see right through it. People are going to see right through it. So if you're not genuine, and, and this even as a copywriter, when you're writing for clients or products, you can always tell the difference between a copywriter that believes in something that they're writing for and a copywriter that doesn't. The person that believes in it is going to have more passion, and that passion is going to shine through. And in fact, that passion for writing about that product can often make up for some mediocre copy. You know, if you're passionate about the topic and the product, that might cover, you know, some 
some headline flaws or some editing flaws that you might miss. I saw a great example of this. This comes from a nonprofit. Of course, I started my copywriting career writing fundraisers for nonprofits. And this piece of copy does a couple of things. It says, right now, there are 771 million people that are drinking dirty water. Yet you can change that. When you donate to clean water, you are investing in the hopes, the dreams of families around the world. Children are able to attend school full time. Women can start businesses. Communities can thrive. When you give to Charity Water, 100% of your donation goes directly to funding water solutions in rural communities. We won't stop until everyone everywhere has access to clean water, but we need our monthly giving community. And then it goes into the pitch. And the reason why I think that is so so sincere is that when you actually look at this founder's story, I mean, just the proof behind it is incredible. This guy has has traveled the world building these wells. But the key line in it is that 100% of the donation goes directly to funding water solutions. And in nonprofits, that's key because unfortunately, many times when somebody donates, you know, $10, $8 of that or $9 of that, you know, goes to overhead for the nonprofit. They go to salaries and they go to equipment and, and it's not necessarily being used towards the mission. And so they really overcome that objection that they know most people giving have up front. You know, an example of insincere copy, you know, you can look at any statement any politician has ever made, you know, and that's probably an example of insincere copy. You know, there is an example here recently. I'm not to disparage this brand by any means, but in the direct response world, I knew, I knew people that were, that were at this company, but Liver King there, I don't know if you've seen that over the last month. I've seen a lot of people disparaging them, but I don't know who they are. Yeah, basically this guy, founder of Ancestral Supplements that that used direct response copywriting and and kind of became an influencer over the last couple of years was this, you know, jacked, beefed up dude. And in all of his material, copy material is all about eating, eating like a caveman and getting back to our ancestral roots. And people were accusing him of taking steroids for two years or more. And he just always denied it. And the copy was always, we only, you know, recommend natural supplements and eating raw meat and all this kind of stuff, this carnivore diet. Well, he ca- it came out, it was exposed that he's been, you know, buying $13,000 worth of steroids over the last several years. And so there's this, there's this disconnect between this message that is saying, eat naturally, take, you know, food and vitamins from the earth and eat meat and don't do steroids, kids. And yet come to find out, you know, he's doing all these steroids and things. And so it's just a, a perfect example. It's the same thing with, you know, the politician or whoever, you know, that, that says one thing to one audience and then you find out behind closed doors, there's a discrepancy there with belief and actions or words and actions. And so sincerity is the most important quality of a writer per John Caples. And I agree with it, David. I do too. You know, yesterday I saw a TV interview of Cameron Crowe, the great movie director. He has a play on Broadway now, former Rolling Stone reporter. And he said something really interesting. He said that when he created a character, he didn't like imagine a character. He thought of a person he knew or he had interacted with. And he created the character from that. And and he said, I I try to create characters that people will miss a little when they're gone. Um, That's good. Another way of describing sincerity. I mean, you mentioned Tolstoy. We can learn a lot from people who do fiction and drama because they have, you know, if they can't be believed, they're not going to sell their stuff either. 
Absolutely. The best movies are when you can't tell that the actor is acting. Yeah. You know, so these six lessons, the six lessons from John Cables, you know, number one, profit by removing the guesswork and testing in all of your advertising. Number two, secure testimonials with contest giveaways, engagement campaigns with your prospects. Lesson number three, appeal to the lazy instinct. Remember, people, I believe in general, are bored, lazy and selfish. They want to be smart, rich and powerful or popular. Number four, use the value of illusion. Appeal to the emotional and psychological desires of your market. Number five, write long and boil it down. Write long and boil it down. And number six, the most important quality of any copywriter is sincerity. And if you use it rightly, that can, uh, if you use it right, you can overcome mediocre copies. So that's good. Nathan, are you back? Yeah. First of all, Joshua, thank you so much for coming on. I can tell that you put a lot of work into this episode, and we definitely appreciate it. I know the listeners appreciate it as well. The second thing, I did want to get a clarification from you. David, on the warning on each episode, he talks about being sure that your copy is compliant. And having written in fintech and in the health industry, I know that there's always some landmines to avoid, especially when it comes to testimonials and rewarding people for testimonials. And since you work for Agora, I'd like to get your thoughts on that real quick before we leave, just to clarify the second point that you had. You know, I don't think in, even per the SEC, you know, even because I've worked with banks and insurance companies before landing at Agora, it's illegal to pay people for testimonials in a financial, you know, investment space, I believe. And so like, if you're a financial advisor or something at Merrill Lynch, and you were paying people to give testimony, like that would be illegal. You know, there's compliance officers. The same is true. I, I don't know if it's quite illegal, but it's, it's something we don't do in Agora and in financial is like, we obviously can't pay people for testimonials. There has been a, I'm not going to get into it here, but if any anybody is interested, there's a very public lawsuit between the SEC and Agora that is very easy to find online. And we do have lawyers that we work with from those institutions, from the FCC, the FTCC, and things like that to where there are requirements of how we frame testimonials, things like having a beginning stake, a time frame, things like that, qualifications when we give lifestyle claims. But when we do things like what I said earlier about future pacing, a benefit where I ask the customer, how would you spend $100,000? That's that kind of neat little workaround, I, I guess. It's, again, Because again, it's not really a testimonial, but it's a, it's a story, a statement, a claim, you know, an articulation of a problem. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's here's why I want to get the result you're promising. That's what it is. And that serves as proof for other people that are watching it that say, I want that same result. Like it, it almost gives them permission to want it. It's no proof that you're going to deliver it or that yeah. they're going to get it. It's just that it's okay to want this. Yeah. Which is exactly. the big thing. Exactly. You know, in that it good. And, and Nathan, I appreciate that because in that chapter, John actually talks about places like general mills that were paying people $25 to describe how they eat bread every day, you know, for their sandwiches, you know, for lunchtime, their toast for breakfast, you know, their dinner, you know, roll with the butter, you know, and, and he talks about all these companies that were paying for testimonials. I think it kind of depends on maybe the industry, the niche. There are other ways to reward people that are not monetary. You know, a lot of times real estate agents will give away, you know, a TV or a you know, something, you know, if they if they get a listing or something like that, a referral. And so there are ways around it, but of course, you know, do whatever is 
legal maybe for you or right for your industry. Yeah, I, I know that sometimes banks and credit unions will give away free toasters for any recommendations yeah. and stuff like that. So I just wanted to get some clarification on that. It's an important thing, and we go over it at the beginning of every episode, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. Again, Joshua's just a wealth of information and collected from all over the place. So I really appreciate all the work that you put into this. Before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to direct our listeners' attention to? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things would be the world of financial copywriting that I've put together with Kevin Rogers, a copy chief, you know, a friend of the podcast. And, and you know, we've got all the information in the show description, I believe. But for anybody that is considering getting into uh, financial copywriting, whether you want to work for Agora or, you know, something, you know, something else. Um, you know, when you when I look at the landscape of financial publishing right now and financial copywriting in general, we've got crypto, we've got Robinhood, we've got NFTs, we've got gold, silver, raw land, alternative investments. You know, this has been a very rough year for the markets, 2022. 2023, you know, we've got uh, CPI reports coming out, you know, inflation is still here. Interest rates are still here. People are looking for money. Again, John Capel said, you know, that that money, that rich is in all of his tests. That was the second most successful appeal is if you can appeal for wealth and riches and money. And so there's a tremendous opportunity here for anybody that wants to get into that niche. And I really believe that the world of financial copywriting, a program that Kevin and I built in partnership with Agora, is the best way to do that. And so all the information is in the link in the description below. We've got people that aren't even in financial copy, people that, you know, one guy owns a, a t-shirt printing store, but he knows that if you can write financial copy at that, at that level, those principles and lessons, things that I've talked about on this podcast are going to be applicable to whatever niche that, you know, somebody may be in. So yep. I, th I think it was John D. Rockefeller that said the best time to buy is when blood is running in the streets. So if you're not paying attention to financial copywriting right now, you probably should be. <laughs> Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. One more time. Where can people go if they want to check that out? We got a, It's a long link. So we got a short link in the show notes. Yeah. And my email, you know, I think we had that in the show notes as well. So I'm open for email and LinkedIn messages. If anybody has any questions or comments or wants to continue the conversation offline. Awesome. Yeah, Thank got you. Your email in there. Thank you, yep. Joshua. So much information, man. We really appreciate it. And you. if yeah. you enjoyed this episode, Make sure that you head on over to copywriterspodcast.com to check out more, and we will see you next time. See you next time. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.